What up, what up, world? It's your boy Max on the Who's Where podcast. Coming to you live today from Charlottesville. I'm taking over the host duties today. Chase wanted to give me a chance. So uh, make sure y'all, you know what I'm saying, comment, show me some love, let him know that I did a good job. We have a very special guest today. His name is Joe Spaziak. He played at UVA. He's doing a lot of big things in the community. We're really excited to have you, Joe. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Go Who's. So yeah, so Joe, just wanted to uh, to have a quick quick chat with you, man. First and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, kind of where you're from. Um, you know, your your sports background and what brought you to UVA. Yeah, sure thing. So my name is Joe Spizak. So I'm originally from Pennsylvania, right around the Harrisburg area. If you guys are familiar, it's about three and a half hours from Charlottesville. I've been wrestling since I've been probably four years old. Um, it's been a family thing for me. So my dad was a D1 wrestler. My grandpa is in the New Jersey Wrestling Hall of Fame. So that's kind of what I was what I was bred to do. And, you know, us Spizaks, we don't have that much height in our family. So being 5'7", I didn't have too many options. I ended up coming to University of Virginia to wrestle in, man, it's been a while now, in 2011. And I wrestled 133 and 141 pounds over the course of five years at, the, at UVA. We did have a wrestler on a, a couple of weeks ago. That podcast will come out. Tell us, how did the recruiting go for you? Um, you know, did you have a lot of offers? Did you not? How, how does that work in the wrestling world coming into college? So there are a few standout wrestling states in the nation. One of them, Pennsylvania is the number one wrestling state to bring people into college, basically. So it's kind of PA, Ohio, New York, New Jersey. And if you can place in the top eight in the state in one of those states, you have a, you have a pretty good shot of going, do you want? So I ended up winning states my senior year. I was a four-time placer, two-time finalist. So I had lots of offers you know, at different schools across the country. To me, I was looking for a combination of a great wrestling school, a great academic school that I could use to, you know, propel myself into the future and get a good job whenever I got out of college. Wrestling is an Olympic sport. So it's not like you guys where, you know, I, I can go play at a professional level and make a lot of money. You know, I, 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 I kind of saw the writing on the wall that wrestling was going to be a great tool to get into a great college. But then after that, I was going to have to, you know, hit the working world and, and, and travel down a different path. So my top choices, uh, uh, my my top three were between UVA, Lehigh, and then Penn State. And then I ended up picking UVA because it more than checked all of those boxes for me. Great, great. And we always like to ask, you know, with wrestling, there's not much of a kind of professional career after after college. Is that correct? Yeah. So what a lot of the guys are starting to do now is it's a really good seed, pro seed program to uh, fight in the MMA. So like I'm based down in Austin, Texas right now. And that's kind of one of the the hobbies I do in addition to running my companies is help train like top top 10 jujitsu guys in the world down here and then train lots of professional fighters in, in wrestling as well. So it's a big part of a fighting and it's a big part of a combat sports like jujitsu. So yeah, th there are more options now, but still, you know, it's pretty much the Olympics if you want to stick strictly to the wrestling track. And you had a, a pretty good collegiate career from what I saw. So just kind of how do you how do you focus, you know, all your time, energy on wrestling and being as successful as you are? But at the same time, it seems like in the backyard, you always need you had a plan B. You know, we a lot of guys who find that hard, like, hey, I, I can't have a plan B. Otherwise, I feel like I'm letting down my plan A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting insight. So with me, I, I, I love wrestling. You know, I, I told you I've been doing it since I've been four years old. And, you know, it, it's a pride thing. So for me, I. And a lot of my other teammates, you just really 
learn to deeply dislike losing, right? So, you know, you, you kind of force yourself to try and be good at everything. And I remember, I remember distinctly, it was uh, the first week of school at UVA. We were having our athlete orientation and they told us you can pick two of three, a social life, an athletic career in your academics. And I give it my best shot to do all three because I definitely had a good social life too. But um, yeah, I had to hang up the headgear and now it's time to fully focus on work. Nice. Well, so let's let's jump right into it, man. I, I know you're doing big things. Why don't you first, you know, tell everyone a little bit about what you're doing, kind of how you got into it, and then we can go from there. Yeah, sure thing, man. I'll kind of take it from the top from after, right after I graduated. So I got my master's degree in 2015 from the Curry School of Education. And I ended up not going the education route, I ended up becoming a systems engineer at AT&T. And I always knew I wanted to become an entrepreneur, but I wanted to do it in a smart manner, you know, start making some money and not just flipping the table and going full time and, and go straight to my entrepreneurial career. So while I was working at AT&T, I started to kind of look around and explore and figure out what I could be doing on the side uh, to make more money. My first uh, push into the entrepreneurial world was starting this drinking game called Dicey. Uh, and it's basically like the Mario party of drinking games. So it's lots of different mini games. You can play with your friends. I figured I might as well make something that I have expert expertise in, and that would be drinking, partying, having a good time. So that's where I started my career. And I always get a good chuckle out of it because, you know, it's kind of an unconventional start to get into being an entrepreneur, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Dicey ended up selling really well. And we kind of used the experience from creating that game to start another board game called OK Boomer, which is a different category of board game. This one is a family trivia game. And we actually created it and branded it around my family. So there's me, there's my three sisters, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. We've done really, really well with OK Boomer. Uh, we have just passed the $5 million in sales mark this year. And the success with our games ended up leading me into starting my own third-party logistics company called Ship Daddy. Third-party logistics, if you're not familiar, it's, it's basically warehousing for at least our uh, subset was for e-commerce fulfillment. So, you know, the OK Boomers of the world, the Dicey's of the world, you ship all of your inventory into these warehouses they accept and receive the orders that your end customer is placing. They ship those items to your end customer and upload the tracking information online. So I ended up scaling ShipDaddy to a 140,000 square foot building that I bought where we're from in central Pennsylvania. And then I end up, ended up selling that about two years ago. And now I am the CEO of Fulfill.com. And we are a marketplace that connects those e-commerce brands with the perfect fulfillment partners. You are just a serial entrepreneur, aren't you? Yeah, man. I, I figured after I was done with wrestling, I got to continue to put this energy somewhere. So that's really what I what I pushed into. And I kind of treat entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur as this is kind of my next wrestling grind. And I want to see how far I can take it. For everyone out there, you know, especially this day and age and through COVID, you know, a lot of people are looking into the entrepreneur route and thinking that the traditional nine to five might not be for them. Can you tell them, you know, maybe a couple of tips that you wish you had known when you when you first started out? And then also, you know, the biggest thing is, hey, like, did you raise any money? Did you have to raise any money? Grassroots? You know, those are kind of the two biggest things I feel like we get questions on. There's a lot of things that I would have done differently starting out. But what I'll say about that is it's kind of a rite of passage of becoming an entrepreneur is failure. So I always tell people that are just starting out, fail faster. Fail as fast as you can, learn from those failures, and then don't make the same mistake twice. Something, a more tangible point would be find a great mentor. You know, everybody is going to have their two cents and want to throw 
their opinion into what you're doing, especially when you're a 22-year-old kid starting a drinking game and your parents are like, what the heck's this guy doing? But don't take advice from people unless they've actually done it before, right? Everybody is so quick to throw, throw in their opinion on you should do this or, or you should do that. But then you have to think in your head, well, well, have they actually done it? And I think that advice right there is find a great mentor early on in your entrepreneurial career, someone who has done it before, someone who's willing to you know, pour some good energy into you, some good time and energy and help push you into the right direction. A good mentor can be like worth their weight in gold. And, you know, saying that I'm, I'm kind of at the point in my career right now where I mentor lots of people that are just starting their journey or that are in the middle of growing their company. And even I've mentored, you know, lots of UVA people in the past as well. It's something I really enjoy doing. So if you do need that mentor, feel free to reach out to me. I always love talking shop. And then to answer your question about um, the raising of the money. So I bootstrapped almost every one of my companies. So yeah, bootstrapped all my companies and now fulfill.com. I thought I was going to do the same thing and end up bootstrapping this, but I ended up taking on two strategic investors that have helped us, you know, grow much faster and are opening up a lot of doors for us to really, really knock this year out of the park. That sounds good. So it sounds like uh, kind of everything you're doing, you guys are, are really taking off. Yeah. I mean, some stuff has, some stuff hasn't, but again, it comes back to that fail faster mentality. You got to take a couple of licks before you can end up making the big bread. So again, all all right of passage. We're starting to do really well now. You got anything next on the horizon? Are you kind of sticking to what you got and growing that? Uh, you know, it sounds like you, you always got something in the pot in your pocketbook. Yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to have uh less of is, you know, so many things on my plate. And one of the big things I've been doing over the course of probably the last year and will definitely continue this year is you know, consolidating my business ventures more. So I'm tossed around the idea right now of, you know, potentially looking for an exit on the game companies. We are really, really gung-ho on fulfill.com. We're hiring lots of people right now. We're kind of on, on a rocket ship there. And uh, I want to have tunnel vision with what we're doing at Fulfill. Uh, this year, I'll be doing a lot of consolidating, full-time focus on fulfill.com. And I don't know, we'll see what's on the horizon. Definitely starting to get into some angel investing now investing in other e-commerce brands and logistics companies, different e-commerce applications that could fit in well with our portfolio. So that's what the foreseeable future is looking like. And yeah, that's kind of the, the goal moving forward. Can you take us through just you know, quick, you don't have to dive too into it. What was the process of you know raising money and getting angel investors? And a lot of people are but before that step, you know, they are they're on their own, they're trying to grassroots it. And they're, they know that the next step to grow is to get angel investors, but a lot of people don't even want to know what that is or two know, like, hey, what's the process? Do, they, do I Google angel investors or, you know, like some people don't even know what that is. So what's that kind of process like? Yeah, there's lots of different ways to go about it, but I didn't want to do the whole pony show escapade where I was going to have to be flying around and trying to pitch to different investors to invest in me. I more of a, you know, we could have kind of done this and bootstrapped it by ourselves. But if we were going to take on an investment, it'd be from a strategic investor that could bring something to the table for us and would be able to add other value besides just capital. And for us, the way that we attracted our investors was uh, that they were our customers uh, before that they, they were our investors. And we helped make them millions and millions of dollars. It was kind of a no-brainer for them to say, hey, we want to be a part of what you guys are doing. Would you be uh, open to us investing in your company? And that's what ended up happening with us. So anytime that you can 
build a profitable company and show your value to your customers and you, you know reach out to your customers to be your investors that it can be a really great recipe to raise money but not all companies are structured like that so you know that's another piece of advice for people who are early on in their entrepreneurial uh, career and if you haven't started companies yet you shouldn't be trying to raise a bunch of money and, and build a product and do stuff that's super speculative start slow, right? Build something that's profitable or take on a very small amount of money, build something, uh, learn, and then start create better ideas from that. That's pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't know that you actually got your investors from them being customers. Um, I didn't think of that. That's actually pretty cool. They already tested out your product and did and already like it. Yeah, exactly, man. What was your time like at, at UVA as being a student athlete? Um, you know, we're a different school. You know, we're not necessarily a, a flyby school. Classes are hard. Did you have any issues with the you know curriculum and, and staying on schedule with your training and stuff? Uh, my undergrad, I was in the Batten School, majoring in leadership and public policy. And then I told you my master's was in the Curry School for education. You know, it was a bit of a, a growth curve. The toughest part for me was I was cutting a lot of weight. So I was making 133 pounds. Uh, and when you are, you know, away from your parents who have been cooking for you all your life and, you know, you gotta be a big boy and you're cutting 30 pounds and you're not a big guy as it is. It's just really, really difficult to lock in from an academic perspective whenever you're trying to lose that much weight over a prolonged period of time. So it was a real gut check for me, but, um, you know, pressure makes diamonds. And I think guys like me really thrive in positions like that. I, I'm not a type of person to feel bad for myself. I'm the type of person to kind of double down and work much harder. You know, I attribute kind of that, that weight cut and that me wanting to strive for success in all areas while I was at UVA to my success in the working world. Now, you know, it's like whenever you do stuff like that over the course of five years, coming into the working world, I was kind of, I was kind of laughing while I was doing my corporate job because I was like, man, this is, this is not hard. And this, a lot of other people think it may be. Yeah. So I, I mean, UVA is obviously uh, an academically challenging school, but you know, outside of me not cutting weight, I, I thought it was great. I had an, a really awesome academic experience uh, at UVA and really can't speak more highly of my time there. I have all my lifelong friends are, are, are from Virginia and it really set me up on a path to succeed post-college. Oh, nice, man. Well, um, why don't you uh, go ahead and first of all, you know, kind of Give us a rundown of everything and, and tell people where they can reach you and, and find you. We definitely want to make sure that you get your product out there. If you want to reach out to me, I'm really active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Joe Spizak is my name again. And my Twitter handle is at Joe Spezy, J-O-E-S-P-E-E-Z-Y. Again, you know, been specializing in e-commerce and logistics for the last six or seven years now at a very high level. Love uh, my entrepreneurial path and I'm still very involved in wrestling and combat sports. So if any of that speaks to any of the listeners here, I'm an open book with open DM. So feel free to reach out. Happy to share my experience. Nice. And then, uh, so I, I do know you also said you train MMA guys now in Texas. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So tell me, tell me a little about that. How did you, how did you, uh, how did you get into that? And did you ever do MMA yourself? Yeah, I did. I did do a couple fights whenever I was in Chicago, but I ended up deciding that that wasn't the career path for me. There's a limited amount of money that you can make in fighting unless you are doing it full time and you are the top, top tier of the sport. And I had to make a decision while I was at the fork in the road where either I was going to go all in and I was going to go full time MMA or I was going to chase my entrepreneurial dreams. And I chose the latter of the two, but I'm still very, very 
much and love the sport. And that's kind of what keeps me sane uh, from these long work hours that I put in. I really, really enjoy helping others on, on the wrestling mat and training other people ch- uh, to, to chase their dreams. And I actually, this year I am uh, starting to c- compete again in jujitsu, which is great because you can still compete at a high level, but you don't have to worry about getting punched in the face all the time. So win-win for me. Nice. And then uh, I know you said you have fulfill.com and that's kind of your, your newest one you branched off to. Can you explain a little bit, uh, you know, about what, what is that? How'd that come to and, and give us a little insight on that. Yeah. So if you look at my entrepreneurial journey up to this point, it makes a lot of sense on how we arrived at fulfill.com. So we have the experience with the board games, which is the e-commerce side of the house. And then we had experience starting Ship Daddy, which is the warehousing and logistics side of the house. So fundamentally, what we do is we connect e-commerce brands, the OK Boomers of the world, with warehousing and logistics companies, the Ship Daddies of the world. We are a matchmaking service where instead of e-commerce brands having to interview 20 different warehouses and try and figure out logistics and compare pricing apples to apples, they come to us. We offer this as a free service to them, and we will match them with a cheaper, faster, and overall better fulfillment partner in seven days or less. It's a great, great service. We've matched over 250. And yeah, if you are a, an e-commerce company or just a company looking for warehousing in general, definitely come our way because I'm sure we can save you a lot of time, money, and energy. Oh, wow. Okay. And so is this something that is like trying to be a barrier so everyone doesn't have to jump on Amazon? Is this in lieu of Amazon? Kind of how, how does that work? Because it kind of sounds like you are you know, a middleman for people that don't want to go on Amazon. Is that what, what I'm getting? Not, not quite. So um, okay. e- e-commerce brands like the OK Boomers of the world, these people will sell on a variety of channels. So we sell on Shopify, Amazon, Walmart.com, um, okay. eBay, name 10 other channels, right? So whenever you start shipping, let's call it a couple hundred orders a month, you get to the point where you don't want to have to drive to the post office every day, pack all these orders and ship it yourself. So what you'll do is you'll find a third-party logistics company like ShipDaddy, and you'll ship all of your units, all of your pallets into that warehouse. And then and what that warehouse does is it takes all of the orders that you're receiving on Amazon, on Shopify, on Walmart.com, and packs all of them up there with their warehouse team and then sends them to the people that ordered. So what we do is we help the e-commerce brands find the best people to ship for them. Nice. Okay, gotcha. So- that makes more sense. So I'm um, assuming that you guys obviously don't need to link them to Amazon. They would just jump on themselves. Yeah, they would all already be on on there or they could add it on once they're in the warehouse. We're we're connecting them with a warehouse partner that can help ship to any of the sales channels that they sell on. And so do you have a, a sales force or how are you getting your warehouse partners? Yeah, so we have like a pretty in-depth marketing strategy. We do have our own internal custom-built CRM, customer relationship management system, which is what Salesforce or a HubSpot is. We've built that out so we can automate a lot of the processes with with matchmaking. That's been an internal tool that we built. And now we're going to start offering it as a software, as a service to customers of ours moving forward. Are customers fighting you, just kind of grassroots fighting you? Or do you also reach out to, like, are you looking at different websites for small businesses and reaching out saying, hey, do you need this? Yeah. So we don't do as much cold outreach. We do a lot. uh, Our mentality is kind of attract, not chase. So we create a lot of content. 
And we're going to continue to create a lot of content this year. Like we're hiring new videographers and new content marketers. We do a lot of Twitter and LinkedIn writing. And we post about our experience and offer people different premium resources on how they can more efficiently find warehouses or how they can grow their e-commerce brands or how they can grow their warehouses. And by offering those premium resources and by providing value, you can establish thought leadership in your industry where instead of having to knock on people's door and try and offer them services, you can have them knocking on yours whenever the time is right to have them ask you for help. Shortens the sales cycle a lot. Oh, nice. Okay. And you guys, do you have your own fulfillment we- uh, warehouses at all? Are you guys looking into getting into that space? Or are you just trying to stay stay all online, be hands-off, kind of have no, no, no real estate? Yeah, that's one of the reasons I sold Chip Daddy was just because of the physical confinement of being in one spot and having to turn away a lot of the opportunities that were coming to me for for shipping. And now we're not bound by that those geographic limitations. So we have hundreds and hundreds of warehouses on our network, and it's our job to find these e-commerce brands the best fit for them based off of a variety of factors. Last question for me is, uh, you know, if you could go back straight out of college, would, one, would you change anything? And two, what would you tell yourself uh, uh, now? One, I wouldn't change anything. think everything happens for a reason. All the failures up to this point have been amazing learning lessons. And I, I really couldn't be more thankful for uh, my time at UVA, the friends I got from there, you know, the academics and the sports. Like it, it, was, it was a really great experience for me. If I had to look back and tell myself, give myself advice from back then, it would be keep going and, 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 and maybe more importantly, enjoy the journey. You know, sometimes you get so focused on the end goal and where you're trying to be years from now and making millions of dollars and trying to retire that you forget to stop and smell the roses and remember like the fun part of all this is the journey. It's the ride. If you're not loving it and you're not making a conscious effort to reflect and, and, and really take time to enjoy things, then, then you're missing out on, on, on a big part of it. Nice. Was there uh, ever a time you didn't enjoy or love it? Ever a time you thought, man, maybe this isn't for me? Oh, all the time, man. You just got to wake, <laughs> you just got to wake up and be tough, baby. You got to give it everything you got every day. Work, work like a madman. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't love it every day by any means, but I do love trying to better myself. And I do love doing right by the people on my team. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really do love the process and, and what we're building here. Perfect. Well, all right, Joe, we greatly appreciate your time, man. You know, congratulations in all your endeavors. If you want to one more time, just let the, the people know how they can reach you, whether they're looking for a mentor or looking to be partnered with you, give them a shout and then we'll be on our way. Yeah. At Joe Speezy on my different social media handles, feel free to add me on LinkedIn at Joe Spizak. Our website is www.fulfill.com. And then our gaming websites, you can either find us on Amazon or www.okboomer.game and www.playdicey.com. That'll wrap us up. Thanks again, Joe. And everyone will enjoy you guys. See you later.